Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Quintessential Ministry Podcast. We've been going through my book, Bring It, uh, this summer, and it's been really good. Last week, I had my wife on, and she and I discussed the topic of journeying well. And actually, next week, we're going to be, uh, I'm going to have her back on, and we're going to be resuming that study. We're going to talk about the uh, chapter five, What About Me, is the title of that chapter. And then after that, I will wrap it up uh, with chapter six, Closing the Gap. And I'm very excited about that. This has been a great summer. And hopefully you've benefited from this series. Hopefully it has uh, spoke to you and put you in a place of, um, you know, maybe understanding some things or getting some clarity. If you didn't have the book, hopefully you've picked it up. Uh, And I just hope and pray that it's been a blessing to you. But today I'm excited. We're going to interrupt our... um, our regularly scheduled program, I guess, and I'm going to share a special podcast I was invited to be on uh, for my church. So this is uh, my boss, Pastor Nicole Schreiber, hosting this podcast, and it's two gentlemen from our congregation, Dennis Pistone and Ron Troyer. And we actually talked about a pretty, uh, I guess, touchy subject, a big question, and that subject is where is God in this pandemic? What is his role uh, in COVID-19? What is he doing? What isn't he doing? And um, we didn't make any hard and fast statements or come down to any uh, conclusions that uh, I think will shock anyone, but hopefully what we do is reorient our perspective, put us back on the right track, and remind us of God's role in our lives and our role in His. In fact, Psalm 107 is a chapter I was reading recently, and um, the psalmist writes regularly that I call out to God in my state of distress and he answers me. And it was just this reminder I wrote in the side of my Bible. Our role is crying out in distress. His role is rescuing us from that distress. So I hope that this podcast blesses you. Uh, These are some awesome people that I'm fortunate to do life with and do ministry with. And uh, hopefully it brings some clarity into your life. If you have any thoughts or comments, feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening. And here we go with this installment, special episode of the Quintessential Ministry Podcast. so much for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Nicole Schreiber, and I'm joined here today with a few friends of mine. Uh, They're going to introduce themselves here in just a minute. But as we were just talking and processing in this very unique time in history, uh, while we're facing this global pandemic, many people have been asking really good questions, really thought-provoking questions. And one of the questions that Uh, I have personally been asked several times and others uh, that are sitting here today around this circle um, is where is God in this pandemic? Where does he fit? What role is God playing amidst all of these things that we see all around us? And so I'm just going to ask them to introduce themselves so you know who you're listening to today. So we'll start uh, with Pastor Quint. All right. Well, my name is Pastor Quint and I'm the worship and discipleship pastor here at Erie First. So I oversee the worship ministry and small groups and have been here almost three years and uh, I'm excited to be here today. This will be a good conversation. I'm very happy to be here. My name is Dennis Pistone. I've been part of uh, this church for several decades and this is a great subject. I'm happy to be part of it. I'm Ron Troyer. Uh, thanks, Pastor, for asking me to be a part of the conversation. It's, it's a question that uh, I believe has... Um, 
been on my mind since uh, the very first week or two of this uh, global outbreak. I, I appreciate being here. I've been a part of the congregation for 25 years or so. Well, thank you guys so much, all of you, for your time today. Uh, like you were saying, Ron, I think this question we're asking today is so important. In fact, the way we answer this question is really paramount to our faith journey. I think it's maybe even more important than we give it credit because it's going to help shape uh, our worldview. It's going to help shape how we see things as they come. Uh, so we're just going to dig a little deeper. We're going to try to talk a little bit about this just particular aspect. I think first to establish sort of the baseline here is our worldview of how God actually interacts with his people. And Dennis, I just wondered if you would elaborate a little bit on this idea of our worldview of how God interacts with, with people. Sure. When you think about the the terminology worldview, it, it's very logical to, to think in terms of how do I view the world, the physical world, uh, the, the world, the existence that we can't see. Uh, so as Christians... We see everything around us in the context of having been created by God. Um, and then that, of course, influences how we think about everything we do in life. Uh, we, we have God's word that has given us a lot of instruction. Uh, I think one of the key elements in how we act as Christians today, and it reflects our worldview, is that we think primarily that we love God and then we love others secondary right behind that. Uh, that's probably in a nutshell. Yeah, that's really good. I think oftentimes we, um, as we think through our worldview, even on trials and things like that, uh, some people jump to uh, maybe they're always from the enemy or they're always, God's always sending them or or that sort of thing. But there are many, I think, different sources or, or ways that we experience you know, different things. And um, in fact, I think, Quint, you were talking uh, earlier this week about a context of kind of how we look at things, whether it's supernatural or spiritual. Right, right. Yeah, well, and even as you were talking, Dennis, I just wrote down, I think that a simple way to say it is how we view God in how we view God directly affects just how we view life in general. Whether we know that or not and whether we believe that or not doesn't make it less true how we view God and his role in our comings and goings in life affects how we view life in general. So. Yeah, I think A.W. Tozer said, the most important thing about us is what we believe about God. Right. And so to have that established, even before we start talking about this kind of root question is so important. Right. That's, a, that's a worthy thing to consider inside or outside of a pandemic. That's what matters most. Just to add one more thought, I think it's important to establish that we believe that we serve a God that is active in our lives. Uh, there are some people in history that would consider themselves deists, where they would believe that God created everything and then pretty much stepped away. And now all of the systems, all of uh, humanity, we're all here floating on our own. Um, if you're a theist, you believe that God has created and he's still active in, in our lives. That's great. So if we are adopting that worldview today, and, and as you're listening, if you kind of think of it through that worldview, if we believe that God is interacting with our lives, he's here, he's still part of it, then the question that I want to pose to us today is 
did God send this virus? Did God send this trial? Is this coming from heaven or is it a problem sent from the enemy? Ron, do you want to give us just some of your initial thoughts on that? You know, that's a question that from the very beginning, I think Christians have been asking themselves and discussing. And I know it's one that I wrestled with uh, right off the bat. And I'm not exactly sure. Well, I would have to say that uh, a black and white answer is, is, is rather difficult to give on that. However, there's some scripture, I think, that can give us some insight. And I'll just, I'll just read a couple of them as I have uh, thought about this topic for today. One in Romans 11, uh, 33 through 36 says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. So from that, we can, we can conclude that all things are for his glory. And even in the midst of this uh, pandemic, uh, God is working it uh, for purposes that we may not really understand or, or really see. But we do have to remember that he is an authority mm -hmm. and he's given all, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 says, God has put all things under his authorities. Colossians 2 uh, says uh, that Christ is the head over every ruler and authority and that um, the Lord doesn't change. He's the same Lord in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. So um, all of these things, I believe, um, add an element of question in our mind, Lord, are you allowing this? Are you causing this? And I'm not sure um, that I want to make it a semantic question uh, because he is an authority. So for me, the question really becomes, how do I respond to yeah, that's good. Uh, that's this, really good. this pandemic? And we're definitely, as we go through this, we're going to get back to that exact spot around in that question of how do we respond? Uh, you know, as we're talking about this and you were saying that is God allowing it? Is God causing it? We actually, there are examples in scripture of both things. I mean, really, we could talk about in the Old Testament, there are examples of scripture. Uh, you know, the flood came and wiped off all of the existence with Noah. God sent that flood. He was very clear about that, you know, in the scripture. In Job 37, you know, he talks about uh, the breath of God produces ice. The uh, He said to the snow fall on the earth, mostly in Erie, right, during the winter. But, you know, God does use elements. He, he could use a storm, he, the snow, he could use a virus, you know, nothing overwhelms him. Uh, I think the big question though is as we're looking at this, what does this tell us about the character of God? Uh, you know, what does this show us? I know Dennis, you had some thoughts on the, you know, sort of showing the love of God, if you want to share those. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I think for me, it's been really good to try to, to picture and understand the sovereignty of God the ability for God to do whatever he wills. At the same time, look at scripture and reason from scripture, especially in the New Testament, after the arrival of Jesus. And, and I've questioned, you know, has, does God treat 
humanity and how how should we look at things like this um, through the lens that Jesus has taught us to look at and look through. Uh, and so I think we've talked um, even prior to this discussion beginning about some examples where what what people who were living prior to Jesus, who were following God, how they thought situations should be dealt with, the kinds of questions they asked. Who's at fault? Who sinned? Mm. And Jesus turned those conversations around, and he, he pointed people to God. And so the one example that, that, that we had discussed earlier was... Um, when a man who was born blind, uh, was, it was questioned by the disciples who were walking along and came upon this man. And, and they said, in their mind, if he's born blind, it had to be the result of sin. Who was at fault? And Jesus completely turned them upside down. And he said, neither. Yeah. The man didn't sin. His parents didn't sin. But now it's, it's in the healing. It's so that God can be glorified. So I think that's a great analogy to look at a situation like this and, and, and not so much look and say, is this payment for sin? You know, there are people that have, have said, is this payment for very grievous sins in society in the world today, something like abortion mm -hmm. or something else that people are totally in disagreement with? And I think it's just, for me, it's been healthy to understand that it's not so much about finding the, the one at fault and why is God doing it, but how, how do, as Ron said, how do we move forward? Mm -hmm. How do we show the example that Jesus showed when he just said, now watch this, and he healed the man? Because it was all about healing. Right. It was all about restoration. Well, and I do think it's important to point out that there is a clear distinction between how God interacted with people in the Old Testament and how he interacts with people in the New, Test New Testament. I don't think that's... Um, uh, th that's very obvious as you read it. And even in Jesus' teaching when he says, you have heard it said, but I tell you. Mm -hmm. You were, you have always believed this, but I tell you, now it's a new way. Like it, the, Jesus came to bring something new to us. And, and that is, uh, it's a new approach on how God interacts with mankind. And it's a new approach in the thought process because it was all based on who did what, who needs to pay for what, who brings what sacrifice to clear the slate, right? That was the Old Testament, but now we live in the New Testament and in new relationship. And I, I think to bridge that, that really excellent thought, Pastor Quint, with what, Ron, you were saying, some people will look at those two things and say, but wait, God's the same. Mm -hmm. You know how, like, if right. this is new, you think God's different. But I think primarily uh, the thing that, when we look at the Old Testament, we really view some of those uh, acts of God that happened as, oh, God was maybe primarily angry with the people or he was punishing, you know, and that sort of thing. But uh, God is not primarily angry with the people in the Old Testament. He's not mad at us today. You know, that's not, uh, yes, does sin grieve him? Absolutely. But he is primarily, I believe, brokenhearted. He is, he's brokenhearted because he wants a relationship. He wants a connection with his creation. And he knows that sin is what keeps us from him. And so the, the part that he's angry with, the part that he wants to rid of is that sin that keeps us from him, not, you know, the humanity itself. And so I would 
agree that, um, I think we can all agree that he isn't sending this virus uh, because we're a sinful people or, you know, all these things. He, he wants us to come back to him. That's his thing. Um, and God sent his son Jesus to die for us, as you said, to rescue us from this evil, broken, present age that we're in. And, and Jesus broke the curse of sin and of death. And so that's... Um, God doesn't have to do that anymore because Jesus did that for us. And so I, I, I think of the question, do we need to repent in order for the virus to go away? You know, people have asked that if we get on our knees and we repent and we pray, will the virus go away? Uh, I would say the answer to that is yes, we need to repent, but not for the virus to lift, but for our hearts to be focused on God, for our hearts to, our minds to be set on him. Um, repent for the ways we've lost our way and we've allowed so many other things to crowd our devotion and our dedication to God and, and, and repent for the ways that we have walked away from this amazing, loving father that wants a relationship with us. So in repenting, will the virus go away? I don't know, maybe, but repenting will make us closer to God, which is the ultimate goal, right? For him and for us at all stakes. Right. I agree totally with, with your comments on that, uh, Nicole. I, I personally am a bit cautious about, um, about, concluding that God uh, does not bring about things for the purpose of reorienting people's uh, focus. And, and so, so in some regards, while I'm not sure I can say that God caused this, I'm not sure that I can say that his hand in it, in it isn't clearly for the purposes that he has planned sure. to bring about an awareness sure. of of who he is, and I. Uh, one I, of the examples in the Old Testament was, uh, of course, when God caused the plagues to come on Egypt, mm -hmm. and during that whole process, God's desire was to re reveal Himself mm -hmm. to the people of Egypt, to reveal Himself to Pharaoh as well as uh, bringing his people out of that situation so that they could worship him freely. So, uh, yeah, and I think there's a direct correlation between, um, you know, if you think of Romans 8, 28, he causes all things to work together for good for those who love God yes. and are called according to his purpose. I think it shows the heart, God's heart in any of these situations is that we would draw closer to him, right? Um, and so I agree with you. I think that, um, I, I think where it becomes a slippery slope uh, in, for Christians today is if you don't get your, as, as theists, if you don't get your theology right on how God interacts with you personally, it can feel like, if I don't do this, then I will pay for it in this way. If I don't tithe this week, then I will have financial struggles next week. Whereas I don't think that's God's heart in it at all. God's heart is that you would trust him to use finances as an example. You would trust him with 10% of your income and he will supply you your needs with 90%, that type of thing. So it's a heart issue. And that's where I think um, I agree that God absolutely, his hand is in this because his hand is in everything and he is sovereign, strong over all. And uh, I, was, I have my Bible over here to Acts 17 where Paul was telling uh, the people that it is in him that we move and breathe and have our being like he he gives us everything and as Dennis said at the beginning of this it is our um, he is ever present and he is how we have it 
any actions in our lives, right? So he didn't just create all this and then move on to the next planet or anything like that. But I think our we have to get our view correct. Otherwise, we can, like I said, just end up on that slippery slope of where it becomes transactional. And that's really the context of the Old Testament where it was transactional. It was a, uh, a treaty between God and his people. And when they grieved him, there was a price to be paid for it. But as Nicole mentioned, Christ paid that for us once and for all, and that is the hope of salvation. So um, he is the same, but the realities we live in are different than the realities of what we read in the Old Testament and the context of the Old Testament. Dennis, uh, talk through this tension a little bit as well. I mean, not, you know, bad tension, but kind mm-hmm. of these different thought processes. How, how can you make sense of it if you're kind of in the middle? Did God, you know, yeah. what does that make me think about God if I... Uh, fully adhere that he sent the virus versus, you know, right. just allowing it. Well, it's, so it's 1230 and about 1130, I looked at headlines and I noticed that, uh, unfortunately, the news that Herman Cain passed away of mm. complications of the coronavirus. Mm. So he's a very vocal Christian, he's very active in the political world. And so, you know, the, I'm sure people will say maybe his own family you know, why would God allow this? Mm. You know, why does God allow anything like that that hurts people, um, innocent people? Um, and so I, I think it's it's important. I, I'll speak for myself. I, I, I'm trying to become a person that is very conscious of the audience that I'm talking to um, so that if... If Ron and I or Quint and I, people that were on pretty, pretty much the same page theologically, if we want to challenge each other with whether this is God allowing this to wake people up, to get people's attention, I think there's some value in that. I, I, I don't think there's a lot of value with me going on social media and, and blasting how this is God's uh, wrath on society for allowing, you know, so many thousands of abortions to take place or same-sex marriage or any of the other contentious issues that the church is on one side of an issue and sometimes a lot of societies on the other side of the issue. So I'm not sure if I, if I answered that, Nicole, but yeah. I, I think there's a perspective in this where we can... We can understand God's sovereignty, as I said earlier, but also understand that his plan isn't to destroy humanity and punish us. But he might allow something that we have to struggle with and go through. I just want to be one. I want us all to be people that attract people to the truth of who God is and his love for them. Um, And I, I think we can do that better when we have the right approach, the right mm-hmm. attitude. Well, let me uh, kind of to close up that just portion of the conversation. I think where I personally would say I stand and I love how we're we're just being careful to say what we're personally, I think that's really fair right now to know that uh, we're not speaking for anyone else or even for the scripture, you know, per se, we're having scripture in our conversation, but our personal uh, thoughts here are, I, I actually wonder if it's, uh, if I was going to answer this question to someone, perhaps it's a both and. I think sometimes we often want 
uh, an either or, or a very clear thing. But I think about uh, even particular trials in my own life. Um, there are some trials we create. You know, you've heard people say uh, they have a problem. They have, I think of the money example, Quint, as you're talking about, you know, listen, choices have consequences. That's just the world we live in. We need wisdom and obedience to stay out of troubles. You know, sometimes it's like, the spirit of stupidity comes upon us, right? And then we wonder why we're facing these things. Well, we made a bad decision. Sometimes the enemy absolutely creates trials. There's really real warfare out there. There's an enemy for our soul. Um, he's going to come after us. We have to know that. Uh, but I would also agree that God uh, does allow trials, maybe even creates them sometimes. In fact, James 1, 2 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And so we know if God allows the trial, um, then it has a purpose. So can it be complex? I think so. Can it be a mix or a certain part of a situation? Can some of this pandemic be from the enemy? I think so. Can some of it be from our own uh, trouble we've created I, with Facebook, you know, I think so. Can some of it um, be from God? I think so. And I think that's why it's maybe so complicated to discern. And it's so worth our time and our conversation and our prayer, because as we battle through all of this, we get closer to understand the heart of God. You know what I mean? And we can fight with solutions that match problems, uh, right? And you know, <clears throat> Nicole, pressure is, is a tool that God uses in our life. And so good. he uses it because he loves us. And he uses it because he knows exactly what we need. And he wants to understand, it reveals the condition of our heart. Right. So how do we respond in the midst of a COVID-19 trial that brings pressure in our personal lives? Do we become impatient? Do we feel uh, that God has sort of abandoned us? Do we... Uh, do we become offended because it's not working out the way we uh, think it should? Or do we look at our own heart and say, God, I don't know the answer to this, but I know you work things for good for those who are called according to your purpose. Yeah. And I want to respond in the right way. And so repentance, I believe, is the very first place that we start when we begin to deal with those uh, issues in our life. There, there's another thing I'd like to, I'd like to just address for a moment, and it has to do why it's so important that we understand that God does bring pressure in our life, and He does judge people, but His love is perfect, His judgment is perfect. And it never contradicts the other, okay? But the point I want to make is that I believe as the end of the age draws nearer, the pressure of the circumstances, the pressure of a sinful world is actually going to be greater upon the Christian. And we need to learn in these rather mild pressure situations. And the, and the Lord in his perfect love for us is not going to make us endure more than what we can endure with his, uh, with his perfect uh, filling in our life. And, and, and for that, I, there's a quotation that I love to uh, quote, uh, that the Lord always uses the least severe means <clears throat> to reach the greatest number at the deepest heart level mm. without violating our free will. 
And That's so good. say that one more time, Ron. The, the Lord always uses the least severe means to uh, reach the deepest heart level and the greatest number of people without violating our free will because that's who he is. He wants us, he wants our heart to be formed in running to him. So in one respect, um, we're not always going to be able to figure out why this trial was coming. There's a lot of things that we can't under explain why things happen to people. But we know that God is in control. We know that he loves us and, and he wants our heart response to be right. And he also wants us, our heart response to be right in the end. So he wants us to persevere. As the James passage says, you're blessed because you, you grow in those things. That's good. Let's, let's stay on that route. Um, how do we respond? So we've kind of talked through where, where it's come from. Maybe it's a very complex answer. How do we respond to that? Uh, how do you think God is calling us to respond? Yeah, um, I think that, I love what you said there, Ron, about um, considering the end of the age. Because, uh, and actually I just talked about this with our staff in First Peter chapter 1. The Apostle Peter wrote um, something to that effect of, now that we are at the end of the age. So this 2,000 years ago, he thought he was at the living in those end times. And what I challenged our staff with was... Um, James chapter four tells us life is but a vapor. We're here and then we're gone that fast, right? And so I think what is important for every person and every Christian to remember is that we're all living at the end of our age because we're all here and we're gone that fast. And so the example that I used was my father-in-law passed away in his late 50s, well, very unexpectedly. Thank God he lived his life like he was living in the end times all the time, because for him, he was sooner than we would have wanted. And, and I think of my friend's father who, who just passed away this last week, but was a faithful pastor his entire life and, you know, died at 77. Um, and so thank the Lord that, that he pers persevered and was faithful. Um, so anyways, that just kind of stirred up in my heart as you were saying some of those things. That's the challenge that we all uh, need to consider. And so uh, recently, I was listening to a podcast that really challenged me in this, um, and really the guys that I was listening to were, were kind of presenting this idea of how, how much time do we spend thinking naturally, and not to say, not to mean worldly or uh, sinfully, but just, you know, I think the unfortunate reality is if you walk into, I'm speaking very broadly here, so don't hold this against me, but if you walk into maybe nine out of 10 churches in America with a headache, most people are going to ask if you took an aspirin, if you took an ibuprofen, have you medicated the problem? But unfortunately, we don't necessarily consider, we think naturally, we don't consider spiritually, can we lay hands on you and pray for you? Do, is this a spiritual thing? Are you coming in here with something that you need to leave at the altar today? We really think naturally and don't think spiritually. And I think that that's a problem when we are redeemed spiritual beings who have a relationship and a personal interaction with God. And so um, I think of what you were just saying, Nicole, of choices have consequences. I think the choice to be to think naturally over spiritual has a consequence. And I think in light of this conversation and coronavirus and, and everything we're going through, we do need to consider the spiritual implications of it as much as or maybe more than, um, than the natural. And so Ephesians 6 uh, 
Paul was writing, and he said, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And I think when you read in the the book of Acts, you see the early church is very active, very faith-filled, and very um, recognizing of things happening in the spiritual realm. And so we have to consider that in this question of how do we respond? We need to be thinking, how do I respond on a spiritual level to any of those things from a sanctification level? Like if sanctification is the goal, drawing closer to Jesus is the goal, well, that happens through repentance like Ron is talking about. That starts with repentance and then continues through pursuit of him and time in his word and letting God change us from the inside out. And so that's really what... um, that's really what I think is important there. So to kind of bring all that together, what I would say is I think it is important for us to consider the spiritual side of COVID-19, not to say there isn't a virus. Of course there is, clearly there is. Um, but there's also a sea of information to sort through. Uh, there's a lot of confusion, different states, officials, doctors, all saying different things. Um, but this is where I think it manifests on a spiritual level for all of us as Christians to sort through and to swim through. And much of what uh, Dennis has been saying as far as approaching people with love, really what I see is just this continuous division among our nation and among our churches. There's just this constant dividing that is happening. It's just polarizing upon polarizing upon polarizing. And so the question becomes, how will we respond in those moments? Will we see that for what it is, which is absolutely a work of the enemy to divide so he can conquer. And that's what we don't want. And that's what I think we're really seeing. So not to discount the natural, not to discount the health uh, pandemic that we are in, but look at the spiritual and look at the division that is happening and how can we, uh, how can we fight against that? How can we war against that? That's really good. You know, one of the requirements of repentance is humility. And if, if we haven't come to that understanding that uh, before God, uh, we are very weak and we are very needy. And as, that, as we accept that position of humility so that the Lord can really lift us up, then we, then we begin to see areas in our life that we, we need to repent of. I had an illustration uh, given to me once about... You know, if we think we're doing pretty well, uh, it's not very hard for the Lord to turn up the magnification uh, just a little bit. It's like a microscope. You, what you see under 10 power looks one way, but then you turn it up to 20 power or 40 power, and then, and then it looks quite differently. And, mm. and the Lord can do that in our life. Right. And, and oftentimes, he gets our attention by bringing situations into our life that really make us stop. And, and so I believe that approaching it with a humble attitude will, will, will lead us more quickly into that uh, place of repentance that the Lord wants us to be in. Absolutely. And getting our attention is all about uh, him wanting us in relationship with him. Absolutely. So the whole thing just circles back around and around to, if this is God's hand, it is because he wants, you know, to love us and protect us and, and, you know, pull us to him. If this was something sent from the enemy, then God wants us to cling to him. So it's like the end, kind of the journey might feel or seem different, but the end is the same, right? Closeness to well, the and, Lord. And the question um, that's, that needs asked is, as a believer, will I allow whatever comes into my life 
to drive me towards Christ. Is that, you know, is yeah. that I think of Daniel being kidnapped, you know, the book of Daniel, just literally just taken from his home, his nation to another one and still chose to pursue Christ and pursue God the Father through all of that. And so the question is, as we go through what we're experiencing in America, uh, all we've ever known is freedom. All we've ever known is, is you know, book the vacation, do the thing, go to the place. And things are, have changed over these last several months. But the question we need to ask ourselves as Christians our Christian duty, not our American duty, but our Christian duty is, will I allow this circumstance? I don't even want to call it a trial because it's not a trial against Christians. Everyone is faced with this situation. Will I allow this trial to drive me towards Christ or not? So you mean even if you don't like outside church, you should come? Even oh, wait, if you don't like that. outside church, <laughs> you should come. You should We're come. here every Sunday at 10 a.m., 8150 Oliver Road. Yes, Dennis, tell us what you're thinking there. Um this is this is, those have been really good thoughts uh, i'll i'll add just maybe a couple short thoughts and that is a reflective of a book that i just finished reading by nt wright um and there was a lot in the book about talking about whether or not god would in this day and age allow something like a pandemic um to challenge people and, um, you know, the numbers that we're seeing right now at this point in time is about 150,000 Americans are being are said to have lost their lives from the virus. So it's a very ominous thing that as a nation we're dealing with. Um, and without coming to a total conclusion in, in that book, he instead tried to draw our attention to to three points as Christians um, and really as, as, as good humans too, you know, so whether you're a Christ follower or not, but to look around you and identify the problem that's at hand. Uh, secondly, to identify what the, what the help or what the solution to the problem could be, and then determine who in, in your group can go and help solve that problem. And so, you know, if, if we as the church, if we as Christians, as we as humans have that attitude, how can we help our neighbor? How can we help our friend, the person that's in need, whether it's COVID, whether it's something else? In that, I think people will will look at us and they'll see, they'll smell the aroma of Christ. And so I think that's our response is to, and that would be to, to act that way. Absolutely. That's really good. Well, uh, just to kind of close us up here today, and we just want to pray for you if you're listening. Um, really, ultimately, this virus, this pandemic is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us. Uh, there is a message in this crisis to every single human soul, uh, not just believers in Jesus, but even those that aren't believers in Christ. And the message is uh, God loves us. He wants us to be close to him and we should repent and seek God's mercy and bring our life into alignment with God's plans and God's purposes. And God will use this pandemic to wake us up one way or another from Absolutely. our slumber. And and I pray that as we wake up, we could join in uh, what N.T. Wright talks about, the solution, the advancement of God's kingdom. So uh, wherever you are, let's just take a moment to pray today. God, I thank you so much for your wisdom. Thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that um, 
you know where this virus started, you know where it's going next, that nothing keeps you off, nothing gets you off guard, nothing, nothing is outside of your control, God, that um, you are not surprised, that you are not overwhelmed, uh, Lord, that you are steady, that you are still on the throne. And so, God, it is with that great comfort and great peace we just come to you. We ask for your help uh, for our nation, for our world, God, that you would help us. We, we turn to you. We pray that we would know you better that we would know your heart. Uh, we ask that you would help show us things in our hearts or in our lives that we may have been ignoring, uh, Lord, but now we have the time or the, the tip to, to uh, look into it, God. I pray that we could turn from the things that keep us far from you, God, and that we could be closer to you. Help us be loving, love, help, help us love you primarily, love others primarily. And in that, I pray that you would advance your agenda, your um, purposes, God, your kingdom throughout our city, throughout our state, throughout our nation, and through this world. God, we love you. We want to give you all the honor and glory today. We want to make your name famous. And it's in your great name I pray. Amen. I was wondering